Brothers and sisters, please rise. Let us listen to the call to worship. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment, he has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion, do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Brothers and sisters, where do we find our help? Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us now sing in response to the greeting of the Lord our God from Psalm 100. All four stanzas.
Brothers and sisters, we will now listen to the ten words of the covenant which we received from our God, the Lord, the God of the covenant. And let us then thereafter sing in response to that from Psalm 1, all three stanzas. God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers, to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, or daughter, nor your manservant, or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his man servant or maid servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The Lord our God summarized this law with these words. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments.
Brothers and sisters, let us now humble ourselves before the Lord, our God, in prayer. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, as your people we come before your holy throne and we humble ourselves before you. You are the Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, the holy God, the God who does not tolerate sin and disobedience. The Lord under whose wrath we should have perished eternally because of our sin and disobedience to you. But Father, you are also the God who comes to us in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the God who does not desire the death of the sinner, but he desires that he repents and is saved. Father, you gave your one and only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to suffer and to die for our sins. And now we come before you and we confess our sins. Even our sinful nature, our inclination to constantly hate you and our neighbor. And Father, we confess that we are totally in the power of sin. If you would not come to save us, then we would find our delight in hating others, hating you above all going on our own ways, doing what we want to do, even if that hinders our neighbor. Father, forgive us then all our sins, all our selfishness, all our self-centeredness, and give us then that we focus on you, our God and Father, and on your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ that we receive complete forgiveness of all our sins, and that then we may be renewed by your Holy Spirit. Help us then and strengthen us then, renew us, so that in everything we live a life that is pleasing to you, a life that is beautiful, beautiful in the sight of your eyes, and also beautiful when we live it with our neighbor that we may live in communion, a communion of saints. People are sanctified, cleansed by the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, and sanctified by your Holy Spirit. Father, now that we have come together again as your people to listen to that beautiful gospel that is being proclaimed to us every Sunday again, also this day again, now we ask you for the blessing, for your blessing and the guidance of your Holy Spirit. May you work in us and through us. May you work when your word is proclaimed. Bless the preaching of your word. Bless us in listening. Give us open hearts. Give us willingness to submit to your word. Give us joy in our hearts. And then receive the sacrifices of thankfulness which we bring to you in our worship. So that in everything your name be glorified and we may be built up and strengthened in faith. We pray this all in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us now read two parts from the Old Testament. First, from Exodus 17, verse 1 to 7. And then thereafter, also from Leviticus 23, verse 33 to 44. 
First, we read from Exodus 17, verse 1 to 7. Then we read the word of God. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? The people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massah and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? And now we will read Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23, verse 33 to 44. It's about the Feast of Tabernacles. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, the Lord's Feast of Tabernacles begins. And it lasts for seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly. Do no regular work. For seven days present offerings made to the Lord by fire. And on the eighth day hold a sacred assembly and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. It is a closing assembly. Do no regular work. These are the Lord's appointed feasts which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing offerings made to the Lord by fire. Burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings required for each day. These offerings are in addition to those for the Lord's Sabbath. And in addition to your gifts and whatever you have vowed and all the free will offerings you give to the Lord. So beginning with the 15th day of the seventh month, after you have gathered the crops of the land, celebrate the festival to the Lord for seven days. The first day is a day of rest, and the eighth day also is a day of rest. On the first day you are to take choice fruit from the trees and palm fronds, leafy branches and poplars, and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Celebrate this as a festival to the Lord for seven days each year. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Celebrate it in the seventh month. Live in booths for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in booths. So your descendants will know 
that I had the Israelites live in Booth when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses announced to the Israelites the appointed feasts of the Lord. So far the scripture reading. Let us now sing together from Psalm 105. The stanzas 1, 2 and 14.
Brothers and sisters, let us sing after the preaching of God's word as a response to God's word from Him 73, though what a glorious sight appeared, all five stanzas. The text this morning for the preaching of God's word is from John 7, verse 37 to 39. In John 7, John tells us about the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths, which the people of the Lord, the people of the Jews, celebrated in Jerusalem, and the Lord Jesus also went to the feast. We read in verse 37, On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Beloved brothers and sisters, congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ was announced throughout the entire Old Testament. If you read through the Old Testament from beginning to end, it is one great announcement of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It starts in Genesis 3, verse 15, where God says to Satan that he will put enmity between Satan and the woman, between the offspring of Satan and the seed of the woman, and the seed of the woman would crush the head of Satan, and he would bruise his heel. And then from there on we see in almost everything that the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is announced. And often we don't really see it when we read through the Old Testament, but then when you read the New Testament, time and again you see that the New Testament is pointing back at the Old Testament. And Jesus Christ himself mentions many things which come from the Old Testament in which he is the fulfillment of the prophecies in the Old Testament. And this morning we will hear about Lord Jesus Christ presenting himself as the living water from which he invites all those who believe in him to drink and then those who do believe from their hearts will also flow rivers of living water. And I proclaim to you the word of God this morning, therefore summarized under this theme, Christ provides God's people with rivers of living water. First, we see this is foreshadowed in the Old Testament. Second, this is made possible by Christ. And third, this is worked by the Holy Spirit. Christ provides God's people with rivers of living water. 
In John 7, we read about the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths, which was a great feast for the Jews. We can read in this chapter that the Lord Jesus experiences more and more the enmity of the Jews, and they were eager to kill him. We, read, we, can, we can read it at the beginning of chapter 7. In verse 1, after this, Jesus went around in Galilee, purposely staying away from Judea, because the Jews there were waiting to take his life. And then also the verses just before our text, we can read that the Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. So we see here an increasing tension. Apparently these officers were not able to arrest him. In other places we read that they could not do so because they feared the crowd. The Lord Jesus was in Jerusalem during the feasts and the Jews were afraid that his arrest during this feast would cause disruptions and would turn the people against them. And that is why they could not arrest them. The Jews rejected him. In chapter 4 of John It was in his interaction with the Samaritan woman that he made it clear that that he was rejected by Jews. In chapter 5, we can read about his discussion with the Jews in which he presented himself as a son of God. And then John 6, he feeds the 5,000. Thereafter, he speaks to the people about the bread of life. He came as the bread of life. And there he refers to Israel in the desert where God gave them the bread from heaven. The manna, we can read about it in Exodus 17. But that bread was only a foreshadowing. He is the real bread of life. And then John 6 ends with the fact that many of his disciples turned away from him because they don't want to accept his teaching about himself as the bread of life. And then in chapter 7, John brings up the question, Who is this man? The people are asking, several are wondering, if this is maybe the Christ. And then John tells us about Jesus Christ presenting himself now, not as the bread of life, but as the water of life. This again is a reference to the Old Testament. Many texts in the Old Testament speak about the water of life and and about the healing powers of this water. And here again, it was also in a desert that God gave his people water. We read it in Exodus 17. Moses had to strike the rock while God was standing before him on the rock. And there came water out of the rock. And in many ways, Christ refers to the Old Testament foreshadowing of him and his work. And John makes it clear that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Even though many of the Jews do not accept him as the Messiah. In fact, Israel was commanded by God to celebrate in the Old Testament. To celebrate their exodus, their redemption. To celebrate that the Lord was their God. We read from Leviticus 23 about the Feast of Tabernacles. But in Leviticus 23, we can also read 
that Israel is Israelites were told to keep their feasts not because the Lord wanted to give them a few extra holidays during the year, just like our government does. Once in a while they create an extra holiday so that we get an extra day off. Yes, it was part of it. The people had to rest. We were allowed to rest. But those feasts were first and foremost because the Lord wanted them to celebrate. To celebrate that they are God's people. We read in in Leviticus 23, verse 44, that Moses declared to the people of Israel the appointed feasts of the Lord. And that was also said in the beginning of chapter 23, that God spoke to Moses about the appointed feasts of the Lord, which he should proclaim to the people as, as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts, the Lord said. And this is emphasized time and again throughout Leviticus 23, the whole chapter about the feasts. These are the Lord's feasts. In Leviticus 23, we can read about several feasts and days of remembrance which God had instituted by Moses for Israel. In the first month, at the 14th day of the month, the Passover and the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And this feast lasted a whole week. And then 50 days thereafter, there was another feast, the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. Pentecost means 50 days. Pentecost in the Old Testament was especially a harvest feast. A feast at the time of the harvest of wheat. And during this feast, the Israelites had to sacrifice from the fruits of the land to the Lord. And it was a joyous feast, usually. And then in the seventh month, it was time for the final harvest feast. It was after all the fruits from the trees were brought in and also the grapes. And that was the final harvest. Half a year after the Passover feast and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Passover is the beginning of the harvest and now the Feast of Tabernacles is the the end of the harvest. The entire crop was harvested and now the great harvest feast could start. Feast of seven days. An entire week to realize how good the Lord has been for them. He had provided them with all that they needed. Food to eat, water to drink, even wine to drink, and much more than that. And during this Feast of Tabernacles, they indeed went camping, as we would say it. They made tents. They had to live in booths for seven days. You can imagine that this was a week full of happiness and joy. Remember those times in the summer. Now it's a bit too cold to go camping, but in the summer when you went camping, you lived outside on the streets the whole day. And you continually meet others. You have much more contact with each other when you live on the street than when you stay in your houses. You have time for each other. You together may enjoy good food, a week full of joy and happiness. At the same time, the Feast of Tabernacles was more than just a week of holidays. God instituted this feast so that Israel would remember that God cared for them in the desert, that he led them through the desert, and that he provided them all those 40 years. They had to imitate the situation during the journey through the desert by making those booths. But also they had to remember that in the desert there was no food, there was no water. During their journey through the desert, time and again they complained. At 
times that they didn't have water, God provided them with water. About one time we read in Exodus 17. Another time there was not enough food. And God provided them with bread from heaven, manna. Or also with meat when they received the quails. God cared for them and they got everything they needed. Such a huge people. Humanly spoken, impossible. Forty years they lived in the desert. And all those forty years, God provided them with a daily food and drink. Many archaeologists and scientists, they, they deny that this ever happened because it is impossible. How can you maintain a people of 600,000 men, 20 years and older, plus their women and children, how can you maintain them in a desert for 40 years? Impossible, they say. And therefore it didn't happen. No, it was indeed impossible. But it did happen because God made it happen. All those 40 years, God provided them with a daily food and drink. And then thereafter, God brought them into Canaan, a land flowing with milk and honey. A very fertile land. But also there they should remember every year again that they depended on the Lord, their God. Their wealth and their prosperity which they received in the land of Canaan, it was not the result of their own hard work. It was God who gave it to them. Also in Canaan, God wants them to give thanks for his blessings. The Feast of Tabernacles is in fact a celebration of their dependence on the Lord. And in the second place, we see that this, Christ provides God's people with rivers of living water. This is made possible by Christ. We saw now the foreshadowing in the Old Testament. We see now that this is made possible by Christ. John 7 tells us about the Feast of Booth. And it is especially this feast where the Jews remembered God's care over them in the desert. And especially that he gave them water to drink. In the time of the Lord Jesus on earth, the Jews had a custom every day of the Feast of Tabernacles to have a certain ceremony during which water was poured out to symbolize the water in the desert. It was during the seven days of the feast that this ceremony took place. However, our text speaks about the eighth day of the feast, the great day, the last day. The feast started with a Sabbath and then it ended with a Sabbath. Eight days in total. In Leviticus 23 we can read that the feast of Booth it lasted seven days and on those seven days the Israelites had to present food offerings to the Lord. And with these food offerings, apparently in the days of the Lord Jesus on earth, also the ceremony of the pouring of water took place. However, on the eighth day, which was again a Sabbath and the closing day of the feast, this pouring of water did not take place. It was on this day, the eighth day, that the Lord Jesus presented himself as the one who gives water to his people. Usually up until that year, the feast ended every year on the eighth day, and on that day also the pouring of water stopped. But now this year... The ceremony of the pouring of water followed by the presentation of what was followed by the presentation of Jesus Christ himself 
as the rock who gives them living water. Now that the ceremony of water stopped, now the Lord Jesus comes and he is the living water. Paul speaks about him in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4, as the spiritual rock from which the people drank. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4, there we read, they drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. If you look at Exodus 17, then it becomes clear that there the people were thirsty. They started quarreling with Moses because of it. The people thirsted for water. It says even in Exodus 17, verse 3, that they accused Moses of bringing them out of Egypt so that they would be killed, they and their children and their livestock, that they would die of thirst. And when then the Lord Jesus says in John 7, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Then, then in fact, that is a reference to what happened in Exodus 17. What they just remembered during the Feast of Tabernacles. Especially because the thirst in the desert was one of the themes of the celebration during the Feast of Booths. And then in Exodus 17, the Lord tells Moses to go on before the people with some of the elders of Israel, and he had to lead them to the rock of Horeb. And then we also read in Exodus 17 that Moses had to take the staff of the Lord. The staff with which he struck the Nile. And this staff with which Moses struck the Nile in, in Exodus 4 was, this staff was called the staff of the Lord. Staff of God. And this staff Moses had to take with him, and with this staff, the staff of God, he had to hit the rock. And then we also can read in Exodus 17 that God said to Moses that he would stand before Moses on the rock. There on the rock at Horeb. I will stand before you. Well, the way in which this is being said is very unusual. Normally when someone stands before God, then then it is as as standing before God's judgment seat. A man who is accused. But here it is God who himself is standing before Moses. And there we see that it is as Moses said in 17 verse 2, Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? Why do you put the Lord on trial? Moses said to Israel. Well, and then we see the response of God to his people is, God goes and he will stand before them on the rock as on trial. And then God commands Moses to strike the rock. 
as he would do so, as he would strike someone in punishment. Moses and the elders standing there at the rock with the entire people, striking the rock where God stands, as putting God on trial, striking the rock with the staff of God. This rock at Massa is the foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. In John 7, we see the same. The people start quarreling with the Lord Jesus. In verse 5, we can read that not even his brothers believed in him. And in verse 12, some said he is leading the people astray. And in verse 19, the Lord speaks about those who are seeking to kill him. And then we read in verse 30 and 32 that the Pharisees are trying to arrest him. They are eager to put him on trial again. It is after this that John describes how the Lord Jesus speaks about himself as the one to whom the people must come to drink. Now the Pharisees could not get him, but later they would arrest him because he let himself be seized by them. And he put himself on trial, standing before the Sanhedrin, the people to be judged, to be stricken. And it was not just the Sanhedrin that would strike him with their rod, but he was going to be hit with the staff of God's judgment. It was God's punishment over our sins, his wrath, which the Lord suffered. He is our rock, stricken for the transgression of his people, so that he can give them living water. During the Feast of Booth, while Israel was commanded by God to celebrate, the Lord Jesus was preparing himself to be hit, to be stricken, to be judged. He was presenting himself as the rock. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53. It is a living water that brings healing for the nation. In Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel describes the river which he sees flowing from the temple, flowing from God's throne, which will bring life. And in Revelation 22, we read about the river of life, which John sees flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the new Jerusalem, and on either side of the river, the tree of life, which leaves for the healing of the nations. The Feast of Booth was the harvest feast for the Israelites. At the same time, it was a foreshadowing of an even greater and much more wonderful feast made possible by our Lord Jesus Christ. He who became the rock, the origin of the river of life, through whom we can enjoy the fruits of the tree of life. God will make all things new. Through him, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will come again on the clouds of heaven. And in the third place, we see that this, these rivers of living water, is worked by the Holy Spirit. When we read about the river of life, about which the Lord Jesus speaks in, in John 7, we also read about it in Ezekiel 47, the river of life. And then there is something very remarkable there with that river of life. That is the river that flows from God's throne and that river keeps growing and growing. The farther it flows away from the throne of God, the deeper it gets. In the beginning it was a stream of water flowing from under the threshold of the temple, flowing eastward 
after a thousand cubits it was ankle deep. And after a thousand more cubits it was knee deep. And then again after a thousand cubits it was waist deep. And another thousand and it was a river that Ezekiel could not pass through. For the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. Well, how is that possible? That this river keeps growing and growing. We don't read there about any other rivers joining this river. We don't read about any tributaries. It all comes from the throne of God. And still it gets bigger and bigger. Usually in Israel, the rivers with only one source, they get smaller and smaller and end up drying up in the sand. But this river is the opposite. Well, the answer can be found in John 7 in our text. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. As the scripture said, this is not a quotation directly from one verse in the Old Testament. It is a summary of several texts in the Old Testament which which speak about the living water. We looked at Exodus 17, also Ezekiel 47, And there are more texts which speak about the living water. Isaiah 44, Ezekiel 36, and many more. The Lord Jesus says here about this water, that those who drink this water, they themselves will become a source of living water. From their hearts will flow rivers of living water. Actually, the Lord Jesus says here, Our translation says, streams of living water will flow from within him. The the word being used here is the word for stomach. It means those who drink the water, the water will go into their stomach, but it will not remain there. It will flow out from there again towards others and will become rivers of living water. The water will be multiplied. And flowing from all the individual believers, it will become one large river of living water, which will flow all over the earth and bring life and healing to all the nations. John says that the Lord is speaking here about the Spirit from those who believed in Him were to receive. For the Spirit had not been given yet, because Jesus was not yet glorified. For, for the Lord to, to be glorified, he first had to go through suffering and death. For him to be able to pour out the Holy Spirit as the river of life, he first had to be hit by the staff of God, stricken by God. And then he would bring life. And rivers of living water would flow from him to his people. And then his people can drink, and from them in turn, the water will increase and flow to others as well. It will be an abundance of life, living and life-giving water, because it is the Spirit of Christ. We see it throughout the history of the church, after the Holy Spirit was poured out in abundance on the church, then the Word of God spread all over the earth, the first day, three thousand and many thousands more in the following days. The word spread from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria 
all over the earth. The river which started in Jerusalem came to Rome and came to the entire world. And it keeps flowing. Wherever Christ gathers his church, there his word is preached and, and reaches many people. And all those who thirst can come to him and drink. They also, from them, rivers of living water will flow. And sometimes we can wonder if we are really part of it. Do we see that rivers of living water flow from us? It is as if the church in our country continues to exist, barely growing anymore, but the abundance of living water, we don't really see it. My brothers and sisters, it is always important to remember that if we want the living water to flow from us, we will first have to drink. Drink in the Word of God. Drink from the rock which is Christ. Drink it in. Don't drink with little sips. But gulp it eagerly. Drink in the Word of God, eager to learn, never satisfied with what you know, always wanting more. And not just read the interesting Bible stories, but study the Bible, the message of the Bible. Understand the big line in the Bible, the big picture. The whole line throughout the Bible. Understand Jesus Christ as the center of the Bible about whom the entire Old Testament speaks. But also see Jesus Christ as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Christ, the beginning, the center and the end of the Bible. A good way to study the Bible is the way in which the church did it in previous centuries. The result of that we have in the Confessions, and that is one of the reasons that in our churches we have the custom every Sunday afternoon to preach from the Catechism. Study the Bible by using our own Confessions. With that, we study the Bible together as communion of saints. Communion of saints, not only with saints which live now, but saints who went ahead of us. Studying the Bible in communion with the church of all times and all places. Making use and being encouraged by what our ancestors did before us. Thankful for our rich heritage. But also making sure that our rich heritage does not just stay in a book of praise. But that it gets into our hearts. From time to time we hear from other countries like Brazil and China and Indonesia that People are so excited about the Reformed heritage which we have, and they are jealous. Do we, however, still realize how rich we are with the Reformed heritage which we have? Often I hear people not really appreciating that heritage. We're talking about new things, different things. Let us realize how rich we are with what we have in our Reformed heritage. Centuries of reading the Bible, of understanding the Bible, understanding the riches of the Bible, drinking it in. And then again, from our hearts, from, our, from within us, rivers of living water will flow out again. The problem with us is that we so often are afraid to talk to others about our faith. We are not really sure that we know what we believe. We have that huge heritage in a book of praise, but it's not in our hearts, not in our minds. Why are we not confident? It is because we don't really have enough knowledge. 
if you study a certain topic, whether it is history or, or language or science, something you like, if you know everything about it, and someone asks you to explain it, you will usually have no problems doing so. You master the material. The more you do so, the more confident you are. And the more confident you are, the more you are able to explain it to others and may be able to convince others. And that's also the case with the Bible. The more you know the Bible, the, no, the more you will also be able to explain it to others. But with the Bible, there is also something else that comes with it. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. The more you as believer read the Bible, the more the Spirit will fill your heart with living water. And the more your heart is full of living water, the more this water will flow over and rivers of living water will flow out from you to others. Christ is the Word of God. If anyone thirsts, let him come to Christ and drink. Drink from the rock, Christ, from whom living waters flow. Drink from the Word through which the Spirit works and from which the living waters flow. And out of your heart, out of yourself, will flow rivers of living water. This water will bring life to this creation. And will prepare this creation for the great, great day that our Lord Jesus Christ will return. Amen.
Brothers and sisters, you may now give your sacrifices of thankfulness to the Lord. And after your offerings have been taken, let us then sing together from Psalm 98, the stanzas 1 and 2.
Brothers and sisters, we will now pray, and there are a few matters in our prayer that require our special attention. In the first place, we will pray for and with our brothers in the Ukraine. The Protestant believers are not allowed to worship today by edict of the government. From our congregation, we will remember Sister Hester Santama. She, her surgery went well, and we give thanks for that. We also remember Sister Danielle Bukima, who is in Surrey Memorial Hospital. Let us not pray. Lord Almighty God, Father in heaven, you are a great God. You remembered all your mercy, your faithfulness, to Israel. Father, we cannot say that we are faithful. We so often sin against you and turn away from you. But you are faithful, and every time when we turn back to you through the grace of your Holy Spirit, then you look upon us with favor and mercy. You even sent your own Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who came to give us living water so that we may drink this living water and receive life, that also from within us rivers of living water may stream, may flow into this world to others. Father, it is wonderful to hear again your gospel, your beautiful gospel of salvation and of new life. And we look forward to the great day that you will make all things new, that when your Son, Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, will return on the clouds of heaven, and we forever may live with him and with you in perfection. Father, while we live on this earth and we struggle with the results of sin, we struggle with death, with suffering, with pain, we come before you and we pray, Father, will you strengthen us and uphold us? Will you provide us with all that we need so that we may persevere? that we may continue to glorify your name. Father, be with those who are in difficult circumstances, those who are struggling with illnesses. We thank you with Sister Hester Santema that her surgery could go well and the doctor seemed satisfied. We continue to be with her, give her a good recovery, give her all that she needs, also all the patients in her situation. Father, we pray for Sister Danielle Bukima. Give her that in all her struggles, that she may find light in your word. That your word may lead her to the joy of faith again. Give her that she may be strengthened by your word. That she also may be strengthened by the communion of saints around her. Bless all those we're helping her that they also may receive all that they need for that. And will you then work through them to restore this sister to health. Father, we pray for your children all over this earth. We protect and defend your church. We know that we are one with your church of all times and all places. And as one member suffers, all members suffer along with him. 
Therefore we pray, Father, be with your church there where she is persecuted. And time and again we hear stories about governments making it hard on your church, about the whole people making it hard on your church, also about children being children of yours being persecuted because of faith, being killed because of faith. Father, will you work there with your Holy Spirit and strengthen them, that they may stand firm and do not fear the human threats, but that they continue to come together to worship you and proclaim your word. And today we pray especially for those Christians, Protestant believers in Ukraine, in Donetsk, who are not allowed to come together to worship. Father, give them that they also do not fear the governments, the threats of human beings, but that in this they have the boldness to disobey the decisions of the government and to continue to come together to proclaim your word and worship you, the only God. Father, will you continue to bless the preaching of your word wherever that may take place. The work that we support in Brazil, also here in the area, in China, Prince George, in other parts of our country or other parts of this world. Father, will you bless all the work that is being done to proclaim your word to those who don't know you, that many may hear your word, that many may be encouraged and strengthened by it, that many may, may also believe it and receive salvation. Will you then glorify your name on this earth and build your kingdom. Father, we thank you for the freedom, for all the means which we receive here in this country to come together as your church. Give us then that we may use all that me- those means and the freedom in a way that is good and pleasing to you. That we do not keep this beautiful gospel for ourselves, but that we have the strong desire to share it with others, so that others also may hear it and receive salvation. That we in our own lives may be witnesses of our Lord Jesus Christ. That through our words and through our deeds, others may be one for Christ. Father, will you then work powerfully with your word and your Holy Spirit? We pray this all in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us now sing Psalm 36, all three stanzas.
Brothers and sisters, lift up your hearts to the Lord. Receive his blessing and depart in peace. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.